This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Iran Enquirer podcast. Been a few days since we've done one because there hadn't seemed to be that much going on since the Illini spring game. But boy, we're starting to get news trickling in here pretty quickly about the future rosters of Illinois basketball and football. And not that it is unexpected with the May 1st deadline to get into the transfer portal for that one-time transfer exception. We'll talk about all that movement here coming up, but I do want to mention Jay Lehman is going to join us to break down his thoughts on the Illini spring game. He was on the call for the big 10 network called barstool Carl's throws and all of that, but he'll give us his thoughts on Barry Lunny jr's offense, Tommy DeVito, what he saw from the Illini wide receiver core offensive line, the defense, all of it, and then give us his expectations for Illinois in 2022. Pretty muted nationally, uh, but locally, I think there's a little bit more cautious optimism given the strides they made last year and given the fact that we would think that the offense should get a little bit better. So we'll talk about Jay or talk to Jay about all of that stuff coming up. But we got some basketball news to talk about as well as some guys from the football team entering the transfer portal. Let's talk about what's happening with basketball. Wake up this morning on April 27th, Wednesday, and find out that Jacob Grandison and Austin Hutcherson have entered the NBA draft. Not a big surprise with Jacob Grandison, given that he's played uh, four years of college basketball, has been a big-time contributor for Illinois the last couple of years, and, and knowing he's probably not going to get drafted, but uh, it wouldn't surprise us if he decided to go pro rather than coming back for an extra year of eligibility that he gets due to the COVID thing, right? But he's 24 years old. I think Jake Grandison has shown uh, what he can do at the college level. I think coming back next year, could he have a little bit bigger of a role? Absolutely. On a team that barely returns anybody and, and doesn't have a lot of experience coming back, Jacob Grandison, Illinois would love to come back and, and have a guy who's going to turn 25 next April on the team certainly would help a team that's going to have mostly teenagers on it next year. So I think Jacob Grandison will have a long professional career. He reminds me, I would say 80% of what Isaiah Livers was uh, as a player in the Big Ten, just that long wing, can shoot threes, maybe not the most athletically gifted and, and maybe not the biggest impact defensively, but usually knows where to be and when to be there uh, and is just a reliable player. And I think Grandison, if he wants to go overseas and have a long career, he could certainly do that. Or if he wants to try the G League for a few years and, you know, find a way that maybe you get an opportunity on a two-way contract. Maybe you get an opportunity and you hit a bunch of threes. I think we've seen with players like Max Struess or, or Duncan Robinson, if you can shoot 40 to 45% from three and be reliable in all these other areas, teams can find a way. So, well, I don't see Jake Grandison having a great shot at the NBA. I think there's a door open to where that could eventually happen. Uh, and I think there's avenues with the two-way contract where guys like Malcolm Hill, after playing overseas, can find a way to get the opportunity. So uh, good luck to Jake Grandison if he decides to move on. He has until June 1st 
to decide whether to come back for college. I think Illinois now with four open scholarships would certainly welcome him back with open arms. Austin Hutcherson just couldn't stay healthy, right? You feel for the kid was a great D uh, three player at Wesleyan decides to come at Illinois, had all the tools, according to Illinois, six, six could shoot it. According to them could really defend. I would assume during practice, it was really athletic, but we just never got to see it on the court due to his back injury. And then of course this year, he has the, uh, the surgery, the sports hernia surgery that holds him out for all but four games this year. And he just never got to get on the court and get into a rhythm. So that's a shame. I just never expected him to, to come back for another year at Illinois. I don't think Illinois uh, really would, would be able to bet on that with a scholarship guy. Uh, but, you know, Brad Underwood said he's been working away from the team. He's been away from the team a lot over the last couple of years due to his injuries. So I think Austin Hutcherson, Enters his name. No, I don't think he expects to get drafted, guys, uh, for people who were confused about why he did it. But maybe he wants to decide whether he wants to pursue professional opportunities, get some feedback from scouts, or if he should come back and, and try his hand somewhere else, maybe at a lower level where you know he can get some experience and, and just God willing, stay healthy. So, so neither of those was a huge surprise, uh, but they still got time, about a month, to decide whether they want to come back to college. Benjamin Bossman's Redonk, I got to be honest with you. I had already recorded all my thoughts, uh, and then I had to re-record this intro because just as I was wrapping it up and sending it along, Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk enters the transfer portal. He's the fourth Illini to do so, joining Omar Payne, Brandon Pajemski, and Andre Curbelo. I don't know if it's too shocking that a guy who's on the fringe of a rotation, a guy who's been at Illinois for a while, and is getting over-recruited, right? I think that's fair to say. Uh, Illinois is looking at forwards and, and, and front court pieces in the transfer portal. It's not too big of a surprise that, that he could look elsewhere, though I thought Benjamin Bossman's Verdon could, could find a role and kind of keep his role that he had this past year, especially with Dane Danger. Uh, as much as we dream about his skill, what he could be, he's still in uncertainty. I, I think he's going to be good. Uh, I think he's going to be a contributor, obviously, but uh, we still don't know quite what he's going to be. You know, Kofi Coburn is gone. And then what are you going to add in the front court? It's certain now, especially with Omar Payne gone, with Benjamin Bossman's Verdant gone, they don't want to have to add to the front court. They need to add a piece along with Coleman Hawkins and Dane Danger who can play 20 to 25 minutes. I think Ty Rogers can play the four at times as a freshman. I think he's ready to play, but they need another option there in the post. And you know, Coleman can play the five, Danger can play the five. So even if it's a stretch four, I think they need to find somebody. But I think we all know Benjamin knew what his role was and played it well as a tough guy, physical guy, played great against Zach Eady, gave him some good minutes at certain times when, when Kofi Coburn was out, right? Like, so he did some good things, but he was clearly just limited. He, he didn't have the offensive skill, didn't have the length to finish at the rim. Um, so he was a really good defender, really good rebounder, really good passer, but he was certainly pretty limited and, and his role would have probably stayed somewhat the same, but it's nice to have that 10th guy every once in a while that you can just throw in if somebody gets in foul trouble. Um, so right now, as you look at Illinois' scholarship chart, and that's what I'm doing right now, there is five guys currently on the roster returning from last year. That's Coleman Hawkins, Brandon Lieb, Dane Danger, Luke Goody, RJ Melendez. And of course, they have the four freshmen coming in, which makes up a top 10 recruiting class with Sky Clark, Ty Rogers, Jade Neps, and Sincere Harris. But there are now four scholarships open for Illinois. So they are open for business in the transfer portal. 
and I get it. There's some hand-wringing about what Illinois will add, what they could add in the transfer portal, given that other schools are starting to get commitments there. And Brad Underwood needs to add to his roster to compete right away. But they don't seem to be rushing just to add bodies, right? Maybe now that can change with the front court, but they certainly have a lot of opportunity to sell, whether that's a front court piece um, or whether that's obviously a wing. I think they'd like to add a, a long guy who can be a three and D player, maybe be a slasher as well. Uh, and then of course, uh, maybe a guard that can defend and just be an experienced ball handler who can score a little bit. So all those things are on the table. Brad Underwood said they are recruiting every position, but they do seem to be being a little bit picky. And I think Brad Underwood wanted to get through this week to see who's in the portal. And then he has suggested, and both times we've talked with him recently since the end of the season, that the guys who went to the NBA draft, um, they might not be subject to that rule. He seems to think the guys who pull back from the NFL, the NBA draft, and there will be many of them, right, with 284 names, early entrants into the, the NBA draft, like there will be guys who decide to come back and potentially enter the, the transfer portal. I mentioned on our YouTube page the other day that Pete Nance, I, I don't, I don't, not reporting this, but like if that guy in his statement said he's going to keep all his options open, any of the transfer portal seems like one. And will the NCAA give him the waiver, the one-time waiver to transfer and be eligible immediately if he entered the draft and then decides to come back? I don't have the answer to that, but Brad Underwood seems to be operating under the, under the notion that those guys will be eligible. So we'll see how it all works out. They will add talent. I think the staff deserves credit for having a plan. I think the staff deserves credit for being able to attract talent. And man, there's going to be people who are really interested in the roles Illinois is selling. I mean, there are potentially three huge minute positions Illinois is looking at when you're talking about maybe a primary ball handler to go with Jade Neps and, and Sky Clark, maybe a, a starter on the wing and definitely a rotation player uh, in the front court that I think could, could play 20, 25 minutes along with Coleman Hawkins, Dane Danger and Ty Rogers. So we'll see how this all plays out, but certainly there's a lot to address with this roster, but Illinois is not alone when it comes to that. Speaking of the transfer portal, Illinois football has seen four players enter the transfer portal over the last couple of days. And to be honest with you, none of these are surprises. Some of these names might be familiar, including a few uh, former highly ranked recruits. But my whole thing is I don't think any of these guys are making a huge impact on the 2022 season. So Kalen Villanueva, was a really under-recruited guy uh, out of Virginia that Lovey Smith, Miles, Miles Smith really, really liked, uh, and they decided to take a flyer on him. Um, he had an injury last year, certainly a good athlete, certainly looks the part, but uh, was injured last year, and they've added linebackers since then. Malachi Hood, James Cruz, Kanena Odaluga at the linebacker position, so he was really, really buried on the depth chart. Um, Joriel Washington was a guy I really liked coming out of Florida, really big, really athletic, had some versatility, but he missed last season with an injury. Then they moved him to outside linebacker. So it kind of was a sign that is he going to find a role because outside of linebacker, they had so much depth that, so this kid that I think can play DB. I think he played wide receiver somewhere. USF really recruited him hard out of high school. Um, so that, that could be a level that I think he could do well at, but uh, it wasn't probably going to make an impact in, in the next couple of years. Brody Wisecarver was the highest ranked recruit in the class of 2021 that let's be honest. We kind of knew when that class signed three days after Lovey Smith was fired and three days before Brett Bielma was fired, 
that that class was probably not all going to be there within the next couple of years, right? It was kind of this in limbo class and Josh Whitman said, hey, you can all have your spot. We're going to honor that. But it did seem tenuous, right? That, that several of those players would probably be out within the next couple of years, given that a new coach was coming in. But Brody Weiscover was a guy I thought fit what Brett Bielema wanted. Big physical offensive lineman, really highly ranked, good offer list. It came down to Illinois and West Virginia at the end. Uh, but he was buried on the depth chart, missed some time last year with an injury, didn't play, uh, unlike Zach Barlov and Josh Krutz. And uh, he was on the third string this spring. And, and Bart Miller told us that he was on the developmental team. So the writing was kind of on the wall, especially with five offensive linemen coming in uh, in the class of 2022 that he was getting over-recruited and that maybe this wasn't the best fit for him, even though academically he really liked it uh, at Illinois. And that was a big reason he decided to come uh, to the University of Illinois. So uh, a guy that I saw play uh, when he was in high school and he, he dominated DJ Wezilak, who's a Missouri signee, who would, uh, I think was a four-star prospect at the time. So I still think he's got potential. So it'd be interesting to see where he lands. The biggest name is probably Karan Taylor, right? The Peoria kid, won a state championship with Kendra Green, uh, for the Lions, and uh, obviously had clear talent, big arm, great athleticism. You saw that on display against Purdue uh, a couple of years ago, and when, when all the COVID stuff was happening, and they were down so many quarterbacks. But then you also saw the the downside. He had several turnovers in that game. What a handful of turnovers in that game. And then the next week got the start, and it just didn't go very well. I believe that was against Minnesota. Uh, and then he moved to DB. Uh, once you got a new staff coming in here, they changed him to defensive back. And it was clear that Karan probably was not going to be a big factor on the field at that point under this new staff, but it seemed like he, he kind of stayed at Illinois. He's a graduate transfer. So he got his degree from Illinois. And the great part for Karan is he's got two years of eligibility left thanks to his red shirt. And then the COVID eligibility, I think Karan Taylor can be very impactful at a lower level, especially a quarterback. Like I think a Western Illinois and Eastern Illinois, Southern Illinois, they should be running at Karan Taylor with two years of eligibility left. Cause I think he can dominate that level Illinois state. I, I don't know if that's a fit because Tony Peterson is there and Tony Peterson didn't see him as a quarterback. So I don't know if that's the fit, even though usually I would say that level makes sense for him too. Northern Illinois you know, is he the FBS fit. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what Northern Illinois has a quarterback coming up, but I can see him at those levels. Uh, I can see him being really attractive to some of those schools. And I think one of those schools should take uh, a shot on the in-state kid who, who showed at the Big Ten level, he, he can pose some problems, even if it's, you know, throwing the ball, he's not the most accurate, but you get him in the right offense, uh, I, I think he can succeed uh, at that level. One thing I wanted to note here is you're seeing the huge transition at quarterback, right? We started to see that last year, but now there's only two players, two quarterbacks that Rod Smith recruited who are still on the Illini roster. Isaiah Williams, who's now the go-to wide receiver, right? And, and I think we all knew at some point that could be the transition he could have, and, and he's, it's going to work out well for him. I think he's in for a huge year. The other one is Samari Collier, who didn't even arrive until far after Rod Smith uh, was fired, as, as Lovey Smith's staff was fired. So you're seeing a huge transition at quarterback. Matt Robinson has entered the transfer portal. Deuce Bannon moved to wide receiver. Now he's on to Florida State. Um, so you're seeing all of these guys, Karan Taylor, move positions, and now he's entered the transfer portal. You're seeing a very big change at quarterback and what Illinois and this staff wants at quarterback. I think Barry Loney could recruit guys who, who run a little bit more. I think you could add that to the offense. I think you'll see the quarterback run a little bit more than he did under Tony Peterson. 
but but even the guys he's looking at so far in the class 2023, uh, even the walk-on quarterback they added here recently, Kirkland Michaud, you know, more tradi- traditional pocket passers. And I think that's what you're going to see Brett Bielema has recruited all his career. And that's certainly what Barry Loney has recruited most of his career, dating back to Arkansas, dating back to UTSA uh, with guys like Kirk, Kirkland Michaud, who he recruited at UTSA as well. So I think you'll see some guys who got some athleticism. I think Donovan Leary can fit into what he wants, but you're seeing a huge change from that. Um, so not a surprise that Karan Taylor decides to move on. And, and again, these weren't unexpected, right? I think everybody who's entered the transfer portal so far outside of maybe Deuce Span and Daniel Barker were guys that Illinois was probably expecting. You got to get under a certain 85 scholarship limit, all these guys are basically third stringers. So Brett Bielma said there could be surprises and you don't want those again, Barker and span were probably two guys they wanted to keep, but uh, these, this recent run is not a surprise, especially with that May 1st deadline coming up. All right. When we come back, let's talk with Jay Lame about everything Illinois football that he saw in the spring game, Barry Loney, Tommy DeVito, the Illini defense, all of it. That's coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we talk some spring game now with Jay Lehman, Big Ten Network analyst, All-American linebacker on the Illini. And, of course, Jay was on the call for the Big Ten Network, and Brett Bielema likes to make this a made-for-TV, maybe made-for-social-media event. I'm surprised he didn't get you out there, Jay, and, and some uh, helmet and shoulder pads and make a tackle or something. I was waiting to be like Barstool Carl, who, you know, got two shots at two touchdowns. I mean, obviously, Emily Eman, our, uh, our sideline reporter, also got a chance – to run the Philly special didn't work out as planned, but uh, she had a chance to. So I'm still waiting for that chance to, to, to suit up. Uh, who, who would you want to try and tackle? Uh, are, are you trying to, to go full chase Brown, Josh McCray? Or are you going down the depth chart a little bit? Well, you know, first off, it, it's my opinion. that The little guys are harder to tackle in the open field than anybody. So I don't want to look like a fool trying to tackle Isaiah. Right because my jock or my ankles are going to be, my jocks in the field or, or, or my ankles will be broken, whatever. I, I want to meet Josh McCray or, or Jordan Anderson in the hole and we'll see who the real man is. I'm, 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 I'm ready to go with it. I'm not saying I'm going to go head to head. They used to teach me to actually put your face mask underneath the chin of the player with your head up. I think that's illegal now. So uh, I might have to submarine tackle and, and, and take a, take, take the legs out. But um I think it would be interesting and at least fun for the audience to watch. When's the last time you tackled somebody? Mm, well, I mean, I try to teach my kids how to tackle in the open field. I got a field behind my house. And so I, I, 
I do tackle them lightly. <laughs> um, but the last time I would have tackled somebody would have been the fall of 2011 wow. uh, with the Oakland Raiders. So it's it it's been a while, guys. I mean that that's uh, it's over a decade now. We're we're getting, we're getting past that time. So my mind is racing now. Like, what is the what is the hit you remember the most? The tackle you remember the most. You know, the, one, one of them that I remember the most is we, we were at Michigan State uh, 2006. We, we weren't good. We actually ended up winning this game. Uh, but they had two backs, Javon Ringer. They were, yeah, Ringer and, and J.U. Colcrick, who was a, a lot like Josh McCray. I think he was like 260. I, don't, I can't remember which running back was running the ball. And Will Davis was playing at DT. And he just like stood up the tight end and i was able to cut off right off will davis's hip he never saw me the guy bounced a little bit more and um what ended up happening was whenever you get a running back who doesn't see you who's going sideways that's recipe for a big hit right and i i literally blasted that guy so that was a favorite one of mine i did blitz one time um at wisconsin against the brett bielman team had a couple of tackles for loss there i think probably one of the the bigger tackles that i remember in my life is uh it wasn't a great tackle, but Beanie Wells was famous for a stiff arm. And uh, we knew that. And one time he broke to the edge, I made a play and he, he got a stiff arm right under my pad or under my helmet and stuff like that. And I was like, oh boy, either I'm going to be embarrassed on national TV or I'm going to down. And I actually got him down, pulled his arm down, got him down. It wasn't pretty, but I got him down. I wasn't embarrassed. So there you go. All that, it's all that matters. The art attack. Yeah, you're speaking my language. You let me just talk about myself and the tackles about me. So, I mean, I, I feel good about myself, right? <laughs> the art of tackling with Jay Lane. We could do a whole podcast yeah. on that. All right, Jay, this was uh, the spring game. I think the main storyline here was getting a glimpse at Barry Lunny and his new offense, right? And and this all comes with the qualifier that, hey, Tony Peterson's offense looked pretty good. Ones against twos and backups sure. last year. But what was the main takeaway you saw from Barry Lunny's <laughs> offense? So I think first off, it's just formation. Let's just start with that. I mean, we saw a lot more shotgun, right? That was the obvious. Uh, we saw a little bit of under center, not a ton. I think with the shotgun, um, you automatically, you, you gain another runner, right? You, you will, the quarterback can run the ball out of the shotgun much more effectively than under center. Um, again, I, I say this a lot. Now, if you're a common listener to this podcast, you, you've heard me say this, which is, most offensive plays are nine on 11. The quarterback hands off to a running back, and then there's nine blockers for 11 defenders. So in reality, your guy has to make one guy miss or two guys miss, right? I guess what happens is this, is when the quarterback runs the ball or the quarterback run is involved, maybe he doesn't even run, but the threat of the zone read is there where he can occupy a defensive end. It's now 10 on 11. And if one guy misses, you can have a big play. We've seen that. You know, we saw a dynamic running attack with Illinois four or five years ago, A.J. Bush and Reggie Corbin. Um, now they couldn't throw the ball well, but we've seen that under Rod Smith offenses and whatnot. So that's what I would say the quarterback run. DeVito did not show that at all, and I think that was on purpose, okay? Uh, I saw a lot of getting him getting out of the pocket, too, on the sprint out or rollout, which I think is, is great. But I also saw um, what we would call more – gap scheme run so we're a very heavy zone team last year a zone is just linemen are going to be like we call it elephants on parade as defender you see a bunch of elephants or big linemen moving one direction right really made famous by the Bengals in the late 80s and then 
you know, got into the Big Ten play with Glenn Mason and Tony Peterson was actually a big part of that that crew in, in, in Minnesota. And now people, everybody has a little bit of zone blocking in their scheme, but a gap scheme is a true um, pull, what they call pin pull technique. So you have down blocks and pulls around. Rod Smith utilized a lot of this stuff and we saw a lot of counter plays, uh, which I think really fits some of the downhill nature of our guys. Uh, the, the zone play, you got to go back like Chase Brown, they can do anything. And, and McCray's very patient. We saw that. So they can run the zone. They've shown that. But I think the, the ability to hit a big run and fast downhill with a gap scheme and pulling linemen, uh, I think gives us a chance to have a few more explosive runs. It also, uh, and I'm getting long-winded here, very difficult for a linebacker who sees a pull not to think that is a run. And so all those things play into it. I think it's another wrinkle that we saw. And uh, that was kind of the run game aspect that I saw. Yeah, Jay, uh, Brandon Peters threw for 290 yards in the spring game last year. So it's like, oh, hey, the, the passing attack could, could get uh, better here. But I think we should expect this run game to be pretty solid. Uh, we'll see how the offensive line gels, but it's a bigger, more physical, I think, group up front, kind of going to the gap scheme you're talking about. We know the running backs are very good, and Chase Brown and Josh sure. McCray showed that. But what did you see out of Tommy DeVito, Barry Lunny in the passing game that could be different than what they did last year? Sure. And we know that's an area that needs improvement. I got to ask Barry Lunny that in, in, in the coaches' meetings. He's like, first off, we, we got to build it from the ground up. So he said, you know, in practice, we got to win one on none, meaning we just got to be able to throw the ball in the air and never let the ball hit the ground. Then we got to be able to build to, to win one on one, right? Uh, can you, with no pass rush, beat your guy one on one, the quarterback complete the pass? And then they build up. Can, can you do seven on seven, which is, hey, let, let's, let's do a whole defense and all receivers, but, but no pass rush, right? And then let's do team, team pass, where we know it's a pass, uh, and they know it's a pass, and we're going to do this. Then we're going to do team where we can run and pass and everything. So they build it up, right? And so I, I liked what he was doing. I think there's a couple of foundational pieces that I saw. Um, number one, with Isaiah, who is, who is a true slot, sometimes they move him outside because he's their best receiver. Uh, I do believe we're going to see a lot of the five-yard drive route right behind the linebacker. We saw a lot of that. It's a very easy, safe throw. And it's actually very hard for an inside linebacker, outside linebacker, or a nickelback to cover Isaiah on that route. And I think that's what they're going to hit. So that's foundationally, that's one of the plays they're going to run. We also uh, a lot of vertical seam routes. We had not a ton of vertical seam routes, right? And so, um, and what I mean by vertical seam routes is, uh, think think number two receiver going up the numbers in a hash, right? And trying in between the numbers in the hash and trying to hit them vertically. It was the first pass that Isaiah Williams dropped, just a straight seam route. Uh, they then moved him outside. He caught some passes, but he also got a touchdown pass on the same route, which is basically the seam route that turns into a back shoulder fade, which they throw it behind him and whatnot. And uh, so I think there was more vertical attack than we've seen with the seam routes. Uh, they didn't want to show everything. I also saw it a little bit, uh, and this is a tough route. When, when DeVito rolls to his right, they're going to throw a deep comeback. We saw, I think Pat Bryant caught one. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a big boy throw, right? And that's a hard throw. It's a 17 yard comeback. You know, he'll run 17 yards, run two yards back to the sideline. You got to hit it. It's a very small timing window. I didn't see as much activity out of the tight ends in the passing game. And I think, uh, I don't know if that just wasn't shown. If they, if, if we, we know, we know Luke Ford can catch the ball. I know he's been banged up, 
uh, Tip Ryman as well. Uh, I know Griffin Moore uh, sounded like he did well in practice. I think he won some award. Maybe he was scout team last year or something. Um, so I think those are the things that I saw. Uh, it was very, very limited from a passing game. And I still think they're going to, they need to get the running backs involved in the passing game more. And I'm sure Barry Lenny has that. It was very vanilla. I, I, the one thing I took away from this and the one thing we hear from Brett Bielema is kind of the, we go as Isaiah Williams goes uh, on offense. And, and I do think he's probably the most irreplaceable guy in this roster, right? Sure. Like there, there's very few guys that do what he does. He reminds me a lot of Wandale Robinson. And, and one frustration of last year is, whether it was play calling, whether it was quarterback play, Illinois really struggled to get Daniel Barker and Isaiah Williams the ball consistently. It doesn't seem like, or at least my vibe is, that's not going to be an issue with Barry Lunny. He, he was force-feeding Isaiah Williams the ball. Well, we, we actually got to see Barry do that with uh, Franklin. What was yeah. it? Zachariah? Or, Zachary uh, Franklin. Yeah, it made it look Franklin. easy, right? Easy, right? Pitching catch to Franklin in the UTSA game. That, it's e easier said than done. But, I mean, I think two or three times a game, we can guarantee getting the ball to Isaiah just on a little, you know, it's a short pass, but basically the reverse, the sweep to Isaiah, right? Yeah, Jay, um, Tommy DeVito, what was your initial impression of DeVito? Well, I, I, I liked his demeanor, right? I think that um, that's always been a thing we, we've kind of struggled with, whether it was West Lund or Brandon Peters, we, we always wanted that demeanor to be there. And I think Brandon's a great guy, but uh, I think that there was, that, that there was one difference the coaches mentioned. It was that, you know, Art kind of took, Art Sikowski kind of took control a little bit more. We thought Peters maybe, you know, played better as an arm, but uh, I think I like DeVito's demeanor. Alex Palczewski coming back, I think is a big deal. I thought he looked really healthy, Jay, but there's some big bodies up there. Pilstrom at center, we'll see how it all works, but he's certainly a bigger body. Doug Kramer was so good for Illinois the last couple of years, but what was your initial impressions of, of the group they threw out on the offensive line? Yeah, number one, I think Pelcho is is healthier. I, I never thought he was healthy last year. I think he tore his ACL maybe November 2020 uh, in the Rutgers game. I remember that, and he tried to come back, and it just, it just, just not that he struggled, but I think I think he did. I think he did struggle a little bit. Uh, we didn't see Julian Pearl, who was banged up. I think Pearl's going to be great. Um, Zai Chrysler, I called him the Chrysler Town and Country. Um, that's a big man, uh, 6'3", 360. And, and I saw him move a little bit. I saw him pull in the gaps. And the, big, the biggest thing is, like, can a guy that's 360, 6'6", move, right? And and he did. I saw Isaiah Adams move. I, I think we're really thin there, though. I think that first line works. I don't remember though a season where we haven't had an all lineman go down for multiple games. Right. Um, and I think that's the big weakness of it is that if we have one lineman down, uh, there's there's not a ton to replace it right now, and and that can just blow up the offense. I just and so that, that that's where I'm that's where I'm concerned about on the O line. But I, I Pilstrom I think is a guy that's developed has been around a long time. Uh, so I think they're getting there. I think we we thought there'd be a huge drop off in the O line this year. I, I'm not seeing that because with with Palcho and development of Pearl and some of the the JUCO and Pilstrom moving over, um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about it. But I don't see the depths there. Yeah, I don't know how much you take away from a defense, uh, especially going against the the second string offense at Illinois, and I think that points to a little bit towards depth. But um, would you see? Was there anything that that stood out to you about the Illini defense? 
So a few things. Um, first off, I, I think the core uh, of that defense is very, very solid, right? We didn't see Keith Randolph play, but Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, uh, Calvin Hart, it looked to be healthy. Tariq Barnes, very experienced, has always played very productive football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in, and in Sydney Brown, all in all in the core, and, and they move Sydney around a lot of different spots, but I think the core of the defense is very, very solid. I think some question marks for me, uh, Virtus Brown. Uh, how can he hold up at Mills? He's, he's listed at three for, 340, and he's wide. One of the more wide guys we have. Uh, how good will he be at nose? How good will, will, will Calvin Avery? Will, will he he flashes every now and then, but it's, it hasn't been consistent enough to gain full playing time. And then the pass rush questions, right? I mean, there was I mean, Cardi and Gay, those guys seem like they had been here forever, and I felt like they finally blossomed last year, especially last half of the year, into the players that you know they were touted to be, and we're going to miss those guys. Um, I think Seth Coleman looks the part. I know Seth really pressed Carney and Gay for some time, got some starts, got banged up. Um, so I think Seth Coleman's going to be solid. Uh, you know, Zeke's on the other side. Uh, but I do I do envision, uh, from what I hear, I've never seen him play, but Jared Beatty and uh, Gay, is it Yakis? Yakis, uh, yeah. Yakis. Um, those seem to be the body types they want. I, I, you know, Shaman Cooper is kind of a mystery, I think, to all fans because touted out of high school. And the question is, is he going to get on the field, either at inside or outside? It seems like they're trying to get away. So we knew there'd be position battles at the outside backer. That's where a lot of your pressure is going to come from in a 3-4 set uh, that Ryan Walters likes to run. Well, I think Ryan Walters is, is an expert at finding where guys can excel at. And so I'm interested to see on the corners and also Kirby Joseph's replaces, replacement, which looks to be Kendall Smith. I know Quan Martin mixes in at nickel and, and safety and some some other things, but who's going to be that guy that that becomes that all Big Ten player? I'm not sure. I think Cindy can be all Big Ten, but but I don't know about the free safety. I've always liked Witherspoon at the corner. I think he does a lot of different things. I think he's an NFL guy. Um so overall, I, I so from a personnel standpoint, I like it. I mean, they didn't really pressure at all, right? right? So um, we didn't see a ton. We, we saw some base, you know, he, he sometimes mixes up his friend a little bit. It was pretty vanilla as well. Uh, but one thing I, I will see just overall, I didn't see a ton of penalties. I didn't see a ton of missed tackles. I saw a pretty clean football game as far as the spring game goes. Yeah, Jay, so I think Ryan Walters uh, impressed all of us last year. Just to kind of rehash, what impressed you most about what he did, and and how do you think he can kind of evolve his defense as they get the pieces, right? They recruit the pieces that they're kind of looking for. Well, I mean, from a statistical standpoint, scoring defense, right? I mean, I mean, most defensive corners will tell you, like, there's only one stat that matters. I mean, at the end of the day, there's one. There's a lot of stats that contribute to it. But it's 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 scoring defense, right? I mean, if you keep the the team up from scoring, that's all they care about. And I think we went from thirty four point nine to twenty one point nine, and I think during during the heart of the Big Ten, we, we got all the way down to eighteen. Uh, so I was impressed by that. I was impressed the ability to make adjustments. Uh, I think you know three four games in after that Virginia game, we had some real thoughts of like, is this going to work or not? And basically, it took all the players Levy Smith had a similar schedule Levy Smith had. Uh, so very similar vari- variables and did a lot better. 
right? Mm-hmm. Defensively. And, and what we saw was that he, uh, much like an, like an NFL team, he game plans specifically for, for teams, right? Um, we saw that in the Minnesota game to take away the RPO. Remember how he, he set down Sidney Brown all over the place to take away the slant and to stack the box and said, Tanner Morgan's got to throw the ball downfield and hopefully our pressure can get there, which it did. Uh, we, we've seen him do different things uh, to try to, you know, take advantage of what offenses are doing or not doing. And so I think we look at it that way. I, I also give him a lot of credit because he seems to have a lot of trust and respect from his players in the fact that he really lets them play. Uh, I, I, I get that a lot, and, and I don't feel like guys are tight. I feel like he's a, he's a guy, a younger guy who kind of sees from their perspective. So I've seen a lot of good things out of him. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about what, what this year is going to hold for defensively. Yeah, Jay, I, I would imagine the over-under for Illinois is four and a half, something like that, uh, coming into the season. Um, but w- what do you think they're capable of with this, you know, kind of personnel reset, a, a new offensive coordinator in this Big Ten West? Like, wh- what do you think they're capable of this year? Hey, that's a great question. Um, so for so many years, and you, you've covered this 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 team a while now, um, when you don't have a defense – it's very hard to stay in games, right? Um, just, just difficult. It, it's, 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 it's hard. But if you have a defense, you're able to stay in games. I could give examples of programs, whether it be Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, that have subpar offenses, but they just stay in games, right? And 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 they wait for mistakes to happen. So if the defense is as good or better as last year, um which with some of the returners, you would maybe expect that, okay? Uh, I, I don't think six to seven wins is, is out of Recording in progress. I, I really don't. And here's, here's why. Because if we get in the – if we're in the game, we were two or three games away last year of just getting a couple – getting a first out through the passing attack. We couldn't really pass, right? And so I see six or seven wins as long as our defense – is as good as or as better as, as last year because I do think the offense will take a step forward. Has to, right? <laughs> can't can't go backwards. I would imagine. No, I mean, especially when you think about college football today and passing attacks and everything that's involved in it. I just really believe that you've got to be able to throw the football better than we did. Obviously. Last one for you, Jay. Uh, just to, to get a Big Ten perspective, like who else interests you this year uh, in, in the Big Ten because. Obviously, Ohio State is, is, you know, the king and got unthrown last year by Michigan. It'll be interesting to see how they follow up. It'll be interesting to see how Michigan State follows up. Uh, The West, it always seems like Wisconsin-Iowa's league to lose, and then Northwestern seems to have a good year every other year. Uh, What what interests you most? I think that's a a really good question. I think if you're Illinois, what interests me is why not us in the West? I think every West team could say that, right? I mean, Nebraska has a wholesale – you know, redo on the assistant coaches side. Um, we got our we got our crossover switched over from Penn State to to Indiana, right? Um, I think Michigan's going to have a, a lot of rebuilding this year, a ton of rebuilding, right? And I I, I I don't think you know, I know Ohio State reloads, but they've lost a ton too. So I I guess the team that intrigues me most is Michigan State. I think with Peyton Thorn, uh, year two, excuse me, year three under Mel Tucker. Um, I, I just really, really think 
that could be one of the wild cards out there. I know they lost some receivers. I know they lost some different things, but I, I just think with the transfers they've gotten and different things could be dangerous. So when I look at the East, I think Michigan State is an interesting thing, not saying they're going to win it. Uh, Penn State has underachieved the last couple of years. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested where they're at. I think you know what you're going to get with Wisconsin. You know what you're going to get with um, uh, with 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 Iowa. I think the, kind of the the wild cards in this whole thing are are you know you think about Purdue and Minnesota. Those are teams that could go either way, right? And um, you know we look at Illinois and obviously we want to be optimistic, right? But those teams have reason to be, you know, they can say, hey, we, we've got a lot of it coming back, you know, to, to do stuff. And so those are intriguing things to me. I still think Purdue has got to be a game. And Minnesota, those two guys have got to be games that Illinois wins. Yep. And those are, those, are, those are programs with um, similar to less tradition than Illinois and should simply that should be a win for Illinois if Illinois is going to get into seven or eight wins a year. That just it has to be. And they look at us the same way. Yep. So exactly. so there you go. Yeah, both at home, by the way. Both at home. So you got to right. protect home field as well. Jay Lamer, you're the goods man. Always appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of the spring, man. Hey, no problem, guys. Take care. Great stuff as always from Jay Layman. He is the goods. We appreciate his time. All right, it's going to be a busy weekend. We got the NFL draft coming up. Joey Wagner will have you covered. I'm actually heading to Vegas to take in a little bit of the draft. Me and three buddies heading out to Vegas this weekend, so I'll be a little bit off the grid the next couple of days. But we got plenty of content coming here at IlliniInquire.com. Thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating or review. That always helps us out. And check out our YouTube page. We're putting out a lot more content on the video side of things on our YouTube page. So just search Illini Inquirer on YouTube and follow us there. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell. We appreciate all the support from you guys. All right, everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Thanks.